Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? When Jeff Chu was studying at Princeton to further his journey towards becoming a reformed pastor, he had a transformative experience that remade his understanding of God. But the experience in question, the one he writes about, at least in this example, didn't happen in the classroom. No, quite surprisingly, the experience happened outside and not in some serene setting, but amidst a heap of discarded food and waste. Yes, it happened amidst a pile of garbage. What he further explains is that Princeton Seminary has something called the farminary. Combining the words farm and seminary, the farminary is a place where soon-to-be pastors and church leaders literally get their hands dirty in God's creation, believing that agrarian rhythms and practices hold wisdom that challenge society's 24-7 culture of productivity and the lies that culture is too willing to tell. Revolutionary and ancient at the same time, the farminary teaches students to be tutored by agrarian sensibilities because they have a lot to say about seasons of rest and work, not to mention the interconnectedness of death and life. Returning to Jeff Chu and his pile of garbage, Jeff remembers one day in particular at the farminary. It was the day when Nate Stuckey, the director of the project, invited all the students who were there to walk out and gather around the farminary's compost pile. Recalling this scene, recalling this pile of compost and waste, Jeff writes how gross he thought this all was. He says, I thought it was disgusting. It was rotting vegetables and banana peels and coffee grounds and all these things we typically see as trash and waste, things which get carted off to a landfill and out of our sight. But he continues to say that after a little time with the compost pile, something changed for him, something shifted. Being instructed by Nate to dig around a little bit, Jeff eventually started to find signs of new life. He says, the compost pile taught me that there is an opportunity to steward death well when death happens. Not erasing the pain, not erasing the brutality, but acknowledging both it and the possibilities that still remain afterwards. When you lose something good, when you lose something you've loved that is worthy of grief, that can't be the end of the story. I refuse to believe it. I refuse to believe that death is the end, he says. Why do you look for the living among the dead, we are asked. Why do you look for the living among the dead? In our gospel lesson from St. Luke, that question comes from the mouths of two figures who are dazzling and resplendent. It's a question that points to revelation and that points to the miracle that is the third day, the shocking and astonishing truth that God's story is not over. 
Like Jeff Chu, I think many of us know what it means to preside over a heap of rotting vegetables and banana peels and coffee grounds. I think many of us know what it means to stand atop a heap of trash and wonder, desperately wonder, where the good news is when all we see and hear, when all we smell and touch, when all we feel is decay. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you? It's a good question and one that certainly takes on new meaning depending who's asking it. Like those disciples who doubted and dismissed the first women who witnessed the glory of the resurrection, we can stay mired in mindsets that only see death. We can refuse and dismiss every day spring of Easter because the pain of this Good Friday world is just too gripping too powerful to move beyond. Or perhaps instead of staying mired and stuck, we can choose to do what we normally do with garbage and dead things. We can cart it away. We can send it somewhere else so that we don't have to deal with it. A tempting response for sure, but never an effective one. Yes, it's crazy. It's wild to believe that on the other side of the tomb, the other side of the grave, there is life. And not just life, abundant life, everlasting life, life that flows endlessly on. And yet all the time, literally all the time, God is showing us that this wild, audacious claim is true. Because you can't have spring without first going through winter, and you can't have a farm, let alone a garden, without compost, without patience and trust, that this God, that this Jesus is not done writing your story. Creation testifies all the time that God will waste nothing, and that applies to us too. Yes, it's crazy. It's wild to believe that there can be more. But if you're here in this place, if you're here tonight, I can promise you that you are surrounded by people, by everyday people, who knows something about pain and grief and the long shadow of the cross, but who also knows something about joy and resurrection and new and unending life. Because if you're here in this place, if you put one foot in front of the other, if you've hoped beyond reason or asked someone else to hope for you, then you're the miracle of Easter. You're the miracle because you've come hoping for more than this tired world wants to give you. You're the miracle because you've come longing for resurrection. And what's more incredible than that is that God is only too happy to soothe you, to take your hand and show you an empty tomb and linen cloths lying by themselves. God is only too happy to tell you that you can breathe and exhale, that you can rest now. Yes, God is only too happy to graft you into this story and hope that we, like Peter, will go home amazed because we believe that life has finally won. Yes, the Lord is risen indeed. Yes, alleluia.